The events and history described in this book took place for the most part in ancient Egypt and beyond its borders to the north in the Near East or Western Asia and to the south in Nubia, Sudan. The timescale runs from the middle of the 16th century BC to the early 13th century BC, straddling the middle of ancient Egypt's dynastic historical era of almost 3,000 years. Literacy made Egypt one of the first nations with the ability to record its history permanently. The Egyptians were fully aware of this. A wisdom text from not long after the period covered by this book said, Man decays, his corpse is dust, all his family have perished, but a book makes him remembered through the mouth of its reciter. The deeds and conceits of the kings and queens and the elite who presided over this remarkable nation were recounted and celebrated across Egypt's monuments and on papyri. As history, this astonishing archive leaves much to be desired and needs to be understood in the context of a completely different perception of the past. That record is nonetheless without parallel for the period and provides us with our first opportunity to witness in detail an early civilization at the height of its power. Egypt's famously unique geography has always made it a two-dimensional country. The vast bulk of human settlement in pharaonic times was stretched out along the Nile Valley and across the Delta. The oases of the western desert accounted for most of what habitable land remained. For the most part, the Egyptians were engaged in sophisticated farming on the fertile land of crown, temple and private estates saturated annually by the Nile's inundation. Quarrying and mining took place in scattered locations in the eastern desert across which trade routes led to the Red Sea. In the broader context of human activity in the area, even the grand antiquity of ancient Egypt accounts for only a tiny proportion. Tool-using peoples were present in the region as much as 400,000 years ago, and it is certain that human beings had been there for at least as long again before that, after the first made their way north out of East Africa. Within Egypt, two of the most important places were the administrative capital Memphis in northern Egypt, close to modern Cairo, and to the south, the religious capital at Thebes, on part of which the modern city of Luxor stands. Memphis and Thebes were the city's much later Greek names. In ancient Egyptian times, they were referred to in various ways explained later. During the 18th dynasty, the first of the so-called New Kingdom, the kings spent much of their time at Memphis. The city's profile has suffered in modern times because, thanks to the shifting of the Nile, almost nothing visible survives there today, apart from the pyramids, tombs and other religious structures of the nearby necropolis at Saqqara. Thebes is a different matter. On the east bank of the Nile, the vast ruins of the temple complexes of Karnak and Luxor are among the most impressive ancient buildings of all time and in any place. Across the Nile on the west bank are the remains of the mortuary temples and royal and private graves. Much of what is visible today is of 19th dynasty and later dates, but a significant proportion belongs to the 18th dynasty. The 18th dynasty and the rest of the New Kingdom owed a great deal to the four centuries of the Middle Kingdom, 
circa 2055 to 1650 BC, despite an intervening era of instability known today as the Second Intermediate Period. Refer to the evidence later. During the Middle Kingdom, Egyptian society and culture developed ideas about kingship, bureaucracy and government, monumental architecture, an awareness of the outside world in the form of trade and technical innovations, and a more sophisticated identity and sense of self. The teaching of Ptahotep, for example, is a 12th dynasty philosophical work concerned with how old age brings weakness and decay, but also how wisdom only comes with age. It was one of many old writings known and studied in the New Kingdom.